Hello, and welcome to Story Radio, for writers, readers, and lovers of short stories everywhere. For the next two months, we are taking part in the Waterloo Festival online. This story, by Martin Nathan, is the first of our special series, set in and around the Waterloo area of London. The Vulnerable, by Martin Nathan. They were playing some kind of Balkan jazz in the lobby of the National Theatre, and Simon was excited to hear it, because although he didn't really like jazz, somehow with that Balkan element it seemed better, and the musicians were having such a good time. And there was that singer, with her hair drawn back and a knot, her lips tight as she sang. Simon watched transfixed, and when she finally stopped, she did this little dance move with her hips that made him want to grab an instrument and join her band. He couldn't play anything, but he had been thinking about getting a double bass. It couldn't be that hard, and he wanted a substantial instrument he could get lost behind, picking out the notes in a deep rhythm he could feel running through his body. He had a bit of money now. While they were playing an instrumental, he went to the bar and nearly told them to keep the drink when he found out how much it was. When he returned, the musicians were on their last number, and the singer was looking upwards as if receiving the note from above to hold it then hold it longer still, and he wished it would go on forever. As they packed their instruments away, he stood nearby, wanting to talk to them, but they were busy chattering and laughing to each other. He finished his drink and contemplated buying a ticket for their gig the next night. Fridays weren't good for him, though, and he'd heard them now, so why pay? He could listen to the radio for nothing. There had to be stations playing Balkan jazz. He walked home along the South Bank, teeming with crowds speaking so many languages, and he planned to learn another language, but could never decide which one. Too many languages, too many things to learn, and of course, he would never get a double bass, because he knew, however long he waited, every time he touched it, he would hear his mother's voice complaining, You couldn't even wait until I was cold in my grave. He had had her cremated, just to be sure she wasn't coming back, and he had been the only mourner. Their neighbours had said they would try and come, but the stairs were too much for them in the end. It was sad to be buried with your son as the only mourner, but his mother had taken a long run up to death. She had made sure there was nothing that she would regret leaving behind. He walked into Waterloo Station. He expected the explosion of sound that hit him, but he was still shocked by it. The groups of youths cheering, carrying inflatable hammers. A tannoy announcement. A couple yelling across the concourse, all caught up in their echo as he headed through the concourse and down the escalator. At the bottom, he almost bumped into a musician who shouted, You got the love! at him over an out-of-tune guitar. As Simon emerged onto the street, someone was blocking his path. He stepped to one side, and she moved the same way. He stepped back, and she stepped back. She was holding out her hand, moving towards him. Please, change. Her face was hidden behind brown, straggly hair. Normally he rushed through the onslaught of people demanding things, beggars and charity collectors. Did the world really need to give more money for helicopter ambulances, orphans and guide dogs? Now this girl was demanding his money and deliberately getting in his way. He felt some coins in his pocket. He began to move past her, but he caught a glimpse of her face through her fur-rimmed hood. How old was she? Seventeen? Eighteen? He felt the coins, wondering how much there was, 
He knew he had some pound coins. She blocked him again. Don't block me, he said, taking out a two pound coin. He pressed it into her hand. Good night, take care, he said and stepped towards the crossing, just missing the green man. Another person disappearing off into the mass. He could feel good about himself. He hadn't ignored her. She would spend it on drink and drugs, but his father used to say, what else are they going to spend it on? A mortgage? An ISA? Spending is their business. Giving is yours. His father always gave to beggars. The lights changed and he strode across the road. He looked back to see if she'd moved on to someone else. There was a line of hustlers begging, playing the tin whistle. Bigger shoe, big issue, but she had gone. She was standing in front of him, blocking him again, her face emerging from the straggling hair. She had followed him across the road. She was looking down angrily at the coin. It's not enough. I need more. You don't know what I've been through today. He patted his pocket. Last night was my poker night. Eight pounds, ninety-one winnings. I was going to buy a bottle of wine. A bottle of bull's blood. You heard of bull's blood? Are you from Hungary? He gave her the money, down to the penny, and felt the glow of his benevolence. She was puzzled. I come from Bulgaria. She looked at the coins. It's not enough. Well, give it back, then. He wondered about making a run for it, leaving her to it. I have no money, no place. I am here alone. My job in three days. He began walking down the street, past the pleasure drone, the cake shop. She was following him still. This is not enough. It does not help me. He stopped and looked in at the luxury cakes his mother had always dismissed as being so expensive. Only a fool would pay that money for a bit of cake. Ask someone else. Find another mug. I found you. As he stepped past her, she raised her arm and he gripped it to move it away. Don't touch me, she hissed. She had tears in her eyes, and if she was faking it, she was a good actor. He let her go. Don't you have any friends here? Any family? No friends. An uncle. He will come to help me. I must wait. She was shivering. When will he come? How long have you got to wait? She looked down and she was crying. What time is he coming? Later. Someone playing the accordion, someone else a trumpet, and Simon tried to hear again the music the band had played. When he got back to his flat, he would ignore the stuff in the sink and the piles on the floor. He would make up his own mind what to watch on television, with no one to complain if he watched a documentary and poured himself a second glass. The girl looked so vulnerable. A group pushed past them and she had to hold the wall for balance. How much later? Do you want a cup of coffee? he said. He had intended to buy her a coffee and leave her there in the coffee shop, but somehow found himself sitting with her. He never drank coffee, but here he was. She seemed calm sitting there in the warmth, happy to sip and look around without talking. Then she started shaking. What's the matter with you? he asked. Sugar, she said, in blood. Are you diabetic? He mimed injecting, but she shook her head, and he realised she had misunderstood. He bought her a brownie and she stopped shaking. That money I gave you, that was my poker winnings. I was on a losing streak for so long and then last night my luck changed. Luck plays a long game. She looked puzzled. You've got to hang on in there. Your luck will change. Normally I would have pushed past you like everyone else, but today you caught me on a good day. Is that luck? She looked down into her coffee cup. 
Thank you, she said, and he wasn't sure if she meant for the coffee or his advice. Maybe she was being sarcastic. It was useless advice. For the first time, he saw her eyes properly, dark and wide with the indignity of her situation. She had a line of mascara under her eyes and her face was thin and pale, but with a red flush on her cheeks. Or was that makeup? She seemed younger than before. He bought more coffee and wondered if she would still be there when he returned. She might have found someone else to latch onto by now. You seem different, he said. Not the begging type. What is the type? They're hardened. They move in and out fast. They don't want help, just money. You pick me and... Maybe I saw kindness. Maybe you saw a mug. My mother said she was frightened to leave me on my own. Someone will run rings round you before you know it, she said, and here I am. On the first day. I bet she's laughing at me somewhere. Run rings around a mug? She was puzzled. What's your name? Anna. I'm Simon. Her hand flopped limply in his as they shook. Anna from Bulgaria? No bull's blood or vampires. Just people, she said. People and animals. Have you been? Me? I haven't been anywhere. You should go. Somewhere. I can go anywhere. Where should I go? She looked at him amazed. You're asking me where you should go? Everyone wants to come to London. He had been wondering about travelling, but he didn't have a passport. Why did you come here? What did you think you'd find? Anna held his gaze. I've come to meet my uncle. I'm waiting in the station. What time is he meeting you? Simon checked his watch. Her voice dropped. He has become very rich here in London. So rich he has no time to meet me or to answer his phone. She crammed the rest of the cake into her mouth, stifling her words as she chewed. Tell me about your new life, she said through brown teeth. I cremated my mother today. Now I have the flat all to myself. Are you sad? She was ready to go. She kept that flat spotless. She never left the washing up overnight in case she didn't make it to the morning. You are a sad. Let's not talk about my mother. What time did you arrange to meet your uncle? Anna screwed up her eyes as she peered at a businessman waiting for someone at another table. Is that him? She shook her head. When did you last hear from him? When did you last see him? Anna breathed softly, spooning sugar into her coffee. This coffee is bitter. Why do they make it so bitter? She tasted it again, cringing. My uncle would come back to our village with a big car and a cigar and tell us about his London office. He said, Anna, when you finish school you will work for me, my London assistant. He works in the biggest tower in London. Canary Wharf. He can see Canary Wharf from his Waterloo flat, he said, lying in his bed. Simon's head buzzed with thoughts. He should have got tickets for that Balkan jazz band. He still could. Maybe Anna would want to come. No, of course she wouldn't. Have you been to Canary Wharf yet? She shook her head. It's like leaving London behind. Everyone is smart. There's fancy cars parked in the middle of the pavement. Ferraris, Mercedes. And the salespeople come and... Maybe your uncle got his there. I have seen the tower she said. I found this machine in the shopping centre and you press a button and it prints out a story for you to take. 
a crime, mystery, romance, three stories. He pulled a roll of paper from his pocket and handed it to her. I thought there must be a catch. Maybe they miss off the end and you have to pay for that. She unfurled it. Does it have the ending? I didn't finish it. She looked at the end of the roll. He gets in his car and drives away. Is that a good ending? Canary Wolf. Maybe you have been to my uncle's office. How long have you been begging? Do your parents know you're here? I can't tell them. My uncle must be busy. He will come and meet me soon. She lifted her bag onto the seat and he thought she was about to go. What will you do with your new life? She said. I always wanted to go to China. I saw a documentary about the Three Gorges Dam moving a city of a million people. I like that. They decide to do something and they do it. China. Where would you go? She stirred her coffee foam around. I would go to Japan. Everything is clean. When you start work for your uncle, save up and go. See the world while you can. She nodded. When did you call him last? Why don't you call him now? I've got a feeling your luck has changed. She shook her head. My phone has no charge. Simon pulled a charger from his bag. Look, all the connections. I have no charge and no phone. He passed her his phone. Call him. I don't have his number. He said to wait in Waterloo. They sat for a while and someone took their cups away. I'm not going to China, Simon said. I need to practice the bass. She nodded. They don't sell good wine at Sainsbury's anymore. Just horrible stuff that gives me heartburn. It's just as well I gave you that money. She smiled sadly. He thought of the singer in the Balkan jazz band singing songs about missing home. He's not coming, your uncle. You do know that, don't you? He was surprised by the way her expression unfolded into outrage and her voice became harsh. You know my uncle. You know my family. How we behave. We are not like you. People looked round, thinking he had said something improper, and he raised a hand to try and calm her. She would not meet his eye, her cheeks puffing with her breathing. But just suppose he doesn't come. How will you survive? How can he find you without a phone? She breathed five times and set her lips into a firm grimace. Family is important. Each night I would talk with my sisters, making plans. They will be my assistants. My London assistants, and we'll all live together in a Hyde Park flat. When our mother visits, she will scream at the sight of the office. She does not like heights. Simon had a vision of Anna in his flat, looking round. Good flat, she would say. Good view. But the place was a mess, because he hadn't expected company, and chaos takes over when you're on your own. The plates were stacked in murky water in the sink, and his newspaper articles piled high on the table, all showing the way things were headed. People firebombing cash machines. Crows that are smarter than anyone thought, and vegetables not being good for you anymore. Especially broccoli. The signs were there. He could invite her back, not for any funny business, but because he had a spare room and she was vulnerable. As Anna cooked, he would turn on the radio and find some Balkan jazz. The jazz group's song about their mother's home cooking. Rain spattered the window and Anna rubbed the misted glass to watch the people rush past, trampling over soggy copies of the standard. Simon stood up. I'd better be off, plan my trip. 
He hoisted his bag onto his shoulder and gave an awkward wave. Good luck, Anna. I don't suppose... He started. She took his hand and gripped it like she didn't want to let go. No, he said. The coffee shop door opened briefly, letting in a gasp of wind and a snatch of accordion music as he headed to the door. www.waterloofestival.com or subscribe to Story Radio for more stories. Stay safe and goodbye.